Hello and welcome to the latest edition of China Inc. by Bamboo Works, where we discuss the latest business and financial news from China and what it all means. I'm Doug Young, Bamboo Works editor in chief, and I'm joined today by Rene Vangostin, one of our founding partners, who's also a longtime China watcher and former investment banker. Today, it's all about the annual two sessions meetings that kicked off earlier this week in Beijing. China watchers will know that the two sessions is shorthand for the annual meetings of the country's national legislature, as well as its top consultative body. The headlines are zooming in on the latest economic growth target, as well as a renewed call for quality growth over growth at any cost. We'll begin with the headline GDP growth target for this year, which China has set at a relatively modest 5%. Still, that would be nearly double the 3% growth it recorded last year at the height of its strict COVID controls. So, Renee, this is obviously a very big picture figure, and they've hedged it this time by saying about 5% instead of an actual 5%. Most reports are calling this figure modest and lower than some expected. Any thoughts on why they're being conservative this time, and do you think they'll meet the target? Well, I think that、uh, they're being conservative because of two reasons in my in my mind. One is they obviously want、uh, the economy to restart. They want to prop it up.、Um, a few months ago, they announced、uh, right after the reopening a number of stimulus measures. But those measures go typically always in the same direction in China <laughs> towards、uh, what I would call the more heavy traditional infrastructure economy, mostly SOEs and so on.、Uh, they also indicated that、uh, for the economy to really rebound fully, they needed the consumer sector to rebound. And、uh, I, I would assume that they're not extremely clear yet as to how that is going to play out, and that would be, in my view, one reason to、um, be somewhat conservative or prudent.、Uh, the second reason is that、uh, they've missed the、uh, annual pre-announced number、uh, last year, and I suspect that、um, they're pretty shy about.、Um, Doing that again this year, so、mm. I would think that、uh, under the circumstances, their approach makes perfectly sense, and then hopefully and likely they will beat, and then、um, you know some people will take a victory lap. What、uh, I mean, people have said before, just since we're still talking about the target,、um, that maybe they should just do away with targets completely. I、right. mean, no other. Major economy that I know of does this sort of you know putting. I mean, it, it seems like it's all part of sort of the planned economy and this and that.、Um, it, you know, China is one of the few that does this. Is is do you think there's a chance that maybe we'll see this thing disappear? You know, in the next year or two. Well, I mean, I think it would make sense to do away with it, but、um, on the other hand, I think that you know they're trapped into this、uh, <laughs> planned economy. Uh, scenario where you plan、uh, everything for the next five years, and then you subdivide that, and you plan for the following year, and and because obviously, if you plan, you 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 will achieve, or barring any exceptional circumstances, and then you know you look great, you look like you know what you're doing from the beginning.、Mm. So I think it's all part of of that、uh, planned economy system, 
and I suspect that they're going to have a hard time giving giving it up. Hmm. Giving it up also, I think, would um, convey this notion, probably, uh, or at least they would think that uh, they are uh, not fully in control, that they are bending to pressure from various sources and imitating the West. And these days, that just doesn't seem like a politically winning formula in China. That's true. And I guess also uh, my observation would be that they, they seem to love KPIs for their uh, for you know all the local officials. So uh, right. doing away with a target might might uh, undermine their old KPI system as well. Right. Yep. All right. Well, uh, moving on from the the big picture figure, uh, this another thing that uh, I noticed, and I think a lot of people pointed out this time, was that uh, Xi Jinping and possibly others uh, were talking about the idea of quality growth, uh, and that got a lot of mention this time. Mm. Uh, can you give us? I mean, this this term gets thrown around a lot, but what what exactly does China mean by this term? And you know, what kinds of things do you think people should look for, you know, to, to be different as, as China shifts to the so-called quality growth from the older growth at any cost? First of all, um, this, this is not the first time that uh, the notion of quality growth makes it into official language in China. It actually started to appear, if I'm not mistaken, during the two sessions of 2022, so about a year ago. Um, what does it mean? It basically means going increasingly away from producing cheap stuff. Cheap stuff can be easily copied by other countries as those other countries are on their own path to development. And uh, it's going towards uh, producing much more sophisticated products, higher margin, more technologically advanced which obviously, uh, with respect to China, is absolutely in lockstep with what we've been hearing from the Chinese government for a while now in terms of the sectors that it wants to promote and support uh, extremely strongly going forward, such as high-tech in general, new vehicles, autonomous driving, the uh, chip industry and all of that. And, and, and all of those industries are, or sectors are obviously typically uh, you know, more sophisticated and what the uh, government in China considers is the future of uh, China, especially as labor has become more expensive in China over the past years, and we've seen uh, manufacturing being moved out in certain industries towards uh, countries that are able to produce more cheaply. Vietnam is obviously an example, India, Indonesia, uh, Bangladesh in, in the apparel sector and so on. So that's, uh, that's where they're headed. That's why they're headed in that direction. Now, how about in sort of following along similar lines is the whole infrastructure. I mean, this is always China's go-to area to stimulate the economy, but it sort of falls into, you know, this, I don't know if you call it low quality, but sometimes it's really no quality. You know, you get these buildings that are built and and not used and they're, Mm -hmm. you know, roads that go to nowhere. Do you think this infrastructure is going to get downplayed in in this shift? Well, um, it's... 
it should be, given where they want to go, being primarily, as you mentioned, quality growth. There's not much quality growth when <laughs> you know you build an airport and nobody comes, or very few people come. On the other hand, those infrastructure projects do marvel for you know short-term GDP growth. So not sure what the preference is going to be going forward. I would expect though that uh, there will be, as time goes by, less money directed towards infrastructure. Hopefully, more control from the central government to make sure that at the provincial level and the local level, things like the building of roads, the building of public infrastructure and so on is better coordinated. There used mm. to be a time when provinces just competed with each to outcompete each other in terms of building up GDP through infrastructure. So I think that uh, that that's coming to an end in terms of unbridled spending in in infrastructure, but uh, they will continue. I mean, some of it is linked to the big push in China to develop the rural areas, and uh, you can actually tie that to common prosperity to some extent in Mm. terms of providing high-speed rail, for instance, uh, better transportation for remote areas and so on. So Mm. some of it, I expect, will definitely continue to happen. Okay, right. And I would, I guess I would argue that that you could argue that that's still quality spending, right? Because it's actually sure. serving a purpose as opposed to, you know, these airports that have three flights a day or right. something like that. Right. Okay, moving on sort of from, from that stuff, I wanted to dabble a, a tiny bit. I don't really like to go into politics too much, but this is a political meeting. And in the latest uh, two sessions, we, we saw a handover of of China's premiership from Li Keqiang, who's been in the position for the last 10 years, to a newcomer, uh, Li Qiang. Any thoughts on, you know, how things might be different under the new Li versus the the old one? How they will be different, uh, I think it's difficult to cover all of that, but it will be be different. Some highlights. yeah, Li Keqiang was much more of a liberal than what you know you see today at the level of the standing committee of the uh, Politburo, and uh, therefore, which obviously includes the new prime minister. These are much more conservatives in in the general sense of the term, much more aligned with the policies of Xi Jinping. Li Keqiang sometimes was viewed as being kind of on the side, especially in terms of his uh, comments about the economies, his uh, comments, you saw that very recently again, when he said, going forward, China is going to make it even easier for foreign businesses to do business in China and so on. To some of us, it looks almost a little bit like he was trying to paint the uh, incoming administration a little bit in the corner, trying to force them to continue at least uh, some sort of more business-friendly, foreign, uh, open to the world uh, policies. But when you look at, you know, pretty much everything that has been said by President Xi over the past few years, it's actually difficult to reconcile the two. The new prime minister is obviously is 
the former party secretary of Shanghai, had a bit of a problem last year with the lockdowns in Shanghai and so on, is generally considered by my friends in China as being quite less educated than Li Keqiang, uh, who was an economist by training and so on, and is perceived, therefore, as uh, being or going to be much more of a yes man. Hmm. We'll see. Time will tell. But the direction, I think, is, is going to be different. Different in the sense that uh, maybe not not quite as progressive as, right. as in the past. Yeah, okay. that's my that's my expectation. Yeah, yeah, you sort of hear similar stuff to that. I guess guess the next five years will tell, and and maybe the next ten years if he gets elected again. Yeah, well, I think I think we'll see a little, you know, a lot more clearly over the next eighteen months to two years in terms of where the longer term direction. Okay. At least we'll be able to come in and, and leave China, and, and so will the Chinese people over that period. So we, we should see a little more uh, relaxation, I guess, in that regard. Right. Let's wrap it up there. So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us again this week. In our next program, we're going to take a look at China's latest ambitions in space. And creditors are just saying no to real estate developer Evergrande's latest plan for a debt restructure. Hope to see everybody then. Goodbye for now. Goodbye. Thank you all.